Hey, it's Zach, and I wanted to tell you about one of the best podcasts that ESPN has to offer, the SV Pod with the one and only Scott Van Pelt. Get SVP's thoughts on the latest inflection points in the sports world every week, plus in-depth interviews with timely guests and a robust back and forth with his trusty sidekick, Stanford Steve. Check out the SV Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post on a disgusting Connecticut day, Tuesday. And it's time to discuss a topic that I've been obsessing over slash obsessing over the possibility of avoiding because it's so radioactive. And that is what promises to be the most rollicking, competitive, frothy MVP race since 2017 when Russell Westbrook won. And there are still to this day feuds that persist because of the voting in that MVP race. I have a t-shirt commemorating the voting in that MVP race based on who I did not vote for, although it doesn't get the person who I voted for right, to help me sort through it. The one and only, the greatest ever do it of the athletic, Mr. John Hollinger. How are you? Uh, doing great. Thank you for the for the kind words in the intro. This is going to be fun. In 2017, mm-hmm. I lost a lot of sleep over MVP. A lot. So you were still working with the Grizzlies. You were just care- yeah, I, carefree. Conley, 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 Gasol, Gasol, Conley. I wasn't really sure how to go one-two with my with the ballot that year. Just carefree, not a care in the world. Yeah, sure, you have a job that depends on the win-loss record of a basketball team, but that's not <laughs> stressful at all. Not um, at all, no. Um, <laughs> Piece of cake. I, and I ended up voting for Kawhi Leonard. A mm-hmm. vote that I'm very proud of that I stuck to my guns. I think it's held up well over time, and it got me a lot of vitriol from the good old internet. But uh, it was a very hard decision. LeBron James improbably finished fourth that year, and it was one of the rare years. We have so many years where MVP is like borderline unanimous. Like the number one guy yeah. is easy. And then really you and I and other voters will fret over spots two through five because historically MVP is MVP. I mean, this is like really matters. Like a top, when we go back and research guys' careers, like a fourth place MVP vote or a third place MVP finish, that's a, it's a big deal. Yes, Most people don't care really about two through five. They care who wins. But I care, voters care. And this is going to be the rare year where Number one is not easy, no matter what people say, and we will get to that shortly. And before Anthony Davis's injury, which I think will just take him completely out of the running for anything, I think there were 10 reasonable candidates for spots one to five on the ballot, and possibly more if you're being really generous. Um, I think Harden is probably out for the year. I just think Harden, when you when something like that happens, I just think the MVP is... You just sort of take a year off from the MVP, and especially when you join a team that has a superior, perhaps, MVP candidate already on it. Am I being too generous in my list of candidates? Did you have more than that, less so than that? I, I wrote that to make like sort of a broad list. I wrote down 12 names, um, although I had nine in my core. Okay. And I did not include James Harden in that kind of core nine um, because – Sort of how you mentioned, but I also felt like that Houston part is still part of his season. Yeah, yeah. right. It's the MVP for the whole season. So the fact that he had negative value for the first couple weeks of the season or whatever, like that's on his record. And that's a tough thing to crawl out of when you have so many other guys have an amazing season. I can still see the exact moment where he just said, it, I'm done. When he threw that pass to John Wall, that was like this, this dismissive one-handed lefty bounce pass across the court that was 20 feet to John Wall's right in order to lead him to what James Harden considered the right spot. That was yes. like that was like the Ralph Wiggum exact moment that Ralph Wiggum's heart snapped in two. That was the exact moment that James Harden was like, I'm out, I'm done, I'm not even hiding it anymore. So who were your – or actually, I, I suspect we have the same core nine. So okay. give, me your core, give me your core nine. Okay, so – I had Anthony Davis in that nine, but I agree with you unless he has some kind of miraculous comeback. I mean, calf strain is typically a multi-week injury, and this season just isn't long enough to make up for that. Um, The other eight names I wrote down were uh, Giannis, the defending two-time MVP, uh, Kawhi Leonard, your pick from 17, who wrecked us in the playoffs that year. Oh, my. We had no answer. It's the greatest forgotten playoff performance in a series, one of the top five ever, because it was the first round. He was 
so sensationally good in that series that yeah, like there was a game. Was the overtime game was game four maybe or game, there was an overtime game, game four? Him and Conley going back and forth. Yeah, that, he just that did. Was, e yeah. He did everything. It was like steal, yeah. dunk, steal three. It was yeah. like he was playing one on five and winning the game. Yeah, it was okay. it was ridiculous. Okay, so continue. Um, LeBron James, the defending champion, obviously. Uh, Nikola Jokic. Joel Embiid, uh, Luca, I think still has to be part of the conversation. Steph Curry, coming back with a great year, and Rudy Gobert. Whoa, you're you're surprised by this? No, it's actually funny because I have to write my All Star column in, uh -huh. in a few days and make my picks, and I actually think I was t toying with the idea of writing. That he has a he's he's the Jazz MVP and has a sneaky case for a top five MVP ballot spot. And then I was like, even I don't actually believe that I'm going to put Rudy Gobert in like the fourth or fifth spot on my MVP. But no disrespect to Rudy, Rudy's awesome. I just these players are all such amazing two way players that can do so much with the ball that I just I, I it's it's a nice thing. I so I I'm not shocked that he's in your top nine. I'm a little shocked that he's in your top nine over a name that you haven't identified yet. Do you know who that is? Uh, is it Kevin Durant? Well, that's the second name, but okay. he's now he's now missed ten games, so I, I get yeah, why the games the games played. I kind of had him in that next tier, uh, and then the other guy I had kind of that next tier was Damian Lillard. Is yeah, you have you have for? to do, you. I'm now going to give you the floor because I'm almost on the verge of hitting delete on this entire podcast, like just closing this, this window because, uh -huh. because of the Damian Lillard. I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say slander, disrespect, slander, hate, hate. How in the world is Rudy Gobert above Damian Lillard, who is averaging 29 points and seven assists on 45% shooting 38% from deep. And that's a real 38%. That's 38% on a million attempts of high degree of difficulty. The Blazers are plus four when he's on the floor, minus nine or minus eight when he's off the floor. He is holding this team together with duct tape while CJ is hurt and Nurk is hurt and Zach Collins is hurt. And they are 16 and 10, fourth or fifth in the West, I guess fifth in the West. How, in, and yes, Utah's first in the West. They've been the best team in the NBA this year. I get it. I just think he's got to be above Rudy. Make your case. John, now that I've decimated your case rudely, okay. make your case. If you're going to vote Lillard for MVP, I think he has to be far and away the best offensive player in the league. No, I'm not voting him for MVP. Does, I'm just saying okay. he belongs He belongs he, in this grouping. Okay, so the Blazers still suck on defense, right? They're 29th in defensive efficiency. They were bad last year. And it's not that Lillard is part of the problem necessarily, but he doesn't do anything as far as the solution either, right? Like he's not any kind of plus or anything at the defensive end. He's not... He's not getting torched either, but he's just kind of he's just kind of there. So when you get to the point of the MVP race, that matters, right? Like even relative to Steph Curry, like Steph Curry is a much more active, handsy, involved defensive player than Lillard. And they're both dynamite offensive players, but I think Steph probably has the advantage at that end too. So when you when you really get down to brass tacks on this, it's it's tough to really push Lillard all the way into that top top group. I think I mean Portland is 16 and 10 right now. That's that's their record. I don't know if they're like their season has really been like a 16 and 10 caliber season, I guess. Um if you, if you look at you know point differential or strength of schedule or whatever, like they yeah, they've had a mid, you know, middle they, of the road been all right. schedule. Middle of the road schedule. Um, I'll look at so, the point differential shortly. But. I mean they're 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 I mean they're trending more toward, you know, kind of the the blah six seven seed or whatever than than something really at the top of the conference so that that's a factor too um so i guess it was just hard for me to put him in that top group uh you could say what about luca but i would say i could luca, say you're right i could say what about luca i could yeah. and i will okay um I think Luka's been a lot better on defense this year, even though the Mavs have still not been good on defense. Um, I think Luka individually has been quite a bit better um, and does as much to carry the offense, certainly. So, again, I mean, 
Lillard's been awesome this year. The ending of that Chicago game in particular was ridiculous. Oh, oh. ridiculous. Um, but I think this this really underscores what we're dealing with the, with the MVP that, debate this year, though, that there are so many strong candidates that somebody who's having an all NBA caliber season, you still look at it and are kind of like, eh. Uh, Damian Lillard in the last five minutes of games within when the scores within five points, so loosely defined as clutch mm-hmm. minutes, is it's something very good. 18 of 31 from the floor, and the Blazers are plus 29 and 48 clutch time minutes. <laughs> plus 29. That, that wow. is very, very, very. That's very good. It's always Dame time, baby. That's quite Do you good. ever, when you, I want you to be honest. Mm-hmm. When you come up clutch in life, like when you, I'm, I'm trying to think what it would be, like when you have a good line in a column that just comes to your mind, or mm-hmm. you know, for me, when I just when I execute snow shoveling, really, really, just top notch execution. Do you what ever? Is, what is snow shoveling? Yeah, I don't use Southerners. Um, <laughs> good on Georgia, by the way. Um, do I do I execute? Do you ever? Do the Dame time thing. Like, do you ever tap your wrist? Like, it's Zach time. That's right. It's Zach time. It's like <laughs> great, great show. Great show. That's a very good crunch time. I'm just going to say it's a very good clutch celebration. That's all. Um, so, spoiler I, I still jump around and form an L and J with my arms. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. Like, if I make a nice quesadilla for my daughter's lunch, uh-huh. so that's right. Just hit the wrist, mm-hmm. you know? Um mm-hmm. Do you yeah, ever hit, hit hit your forehead to each other? I do like the three the three on the forehead. No, I do the mellow. I do the you're mellow, not the, cli- not, the, not, not the Clippers one. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert, if I had to fill out a five-man MVP ballot today, mm-hmm. neither Damian Lillard or Luka Doncic, I guess nor Luka Doncic, would be in that ballot, although they would mm-hmm. be close. I just think Dame has to be in this grouping of, of – I've got ten. My ten, okay. my ten were Curry, Durant, Embiid, Jokic – Giannis, LeBron, AD, who's now going to be out, Kawhi, and AD's really there. Just like you have to give the Lakers a little token mm-hmm. respect. Um, Kawhi, Luca, and Dame. I did not have Gobert. I I get the case for Gobert. Honestly, I, I do think he is the most important player on the Jazz and the most irreplaceable player on the Jazz. I I get it. I just I can't quite. You know, again, these are guys that a lot of these guys, particularly when you get into the Kawhi, LeBron, Embiid crew who are bringing it on defense, maybe not at Colbert's level, but very strongly, and can get you 30 a game running your offense. So I just, I can't, I can't quite get there with Rudy. Um, I, I, I do feel like, like, people are biased toward the guy with the ball in his hands, and I get that, but the Jazz's whole system is built around Gobert, even though he never has the ball. And... I think that's a hard thing for people to process sometimes because it's like, oh, you know, Jordan Clarkson is doing this or Joe Ingles or Mitchell or Conley or whatever. But it's all predicated on Gobert running around, setting screens all over the place and the threat of his rim run at the end of it. Um, And it's weird to have a seven footer who is no post threat at all and doesn't shoot threes and is still a really, really hugely valuable offensive player. I think it's something people have a hard time just kind of internally getting to that. Well, I feel like we had this same conversation seven years ago, not you and I, but we, the NBA mm-hmm. commentary and in general, about DeAndre Jordan and mm-hmm. whether DeAndre Jordan was a good offensive player or not because you would see him occasionally described as a one-way player, meaning he's a great defensive player who does nothing on offense. And I would always say in the mold of Tyson Chandler, DeAndre Jordan is actually quite a very good offensive player, very important for how the Clippers play. But the point of that is... And, Gobert, and massively overrated on defense as well, well I would I don't, argue. I don't want to get into That's a different it. conversation. DJ, yeah. um, the point of that is uh, Gobert is an amazing rim runner. The term mm-hmm. screen assist has been banned from this podcast. Do not say it. I do not want to hear it. Uh, he has He's a, a, an elite offensive rebounder. He's he's he he he's can get you points and like he is you're right I mean they run their whole system is screen swing screen swing I get it I just wonder if how many guys that are not nearly his level defensively like to me his main his best value for them is obviously he is the linchpin of how they play defense everything is built he is the foundation of how they play defense they have designed 
their offseason moves around the idea that he can single-handedly make them an elite defensive team, and that has been proven true this year. I just wonder how many centers could do 80% of what he does on offense just in this. Like, could Mitchell Robinson do 80% of what he does on offense? I'm asking you, like, is that unfair? Uh, it's not. It's not unfair. I think certainly more of his value is at the defensive end. I, th- I think that's fair to say. And I mean, what what they are defensively this year with like really very small perimeter guys, two slow six six guys playing f- power forward basically, and they still have managed to have an elite defense this year. And I think that's number I mean, two, almost entirely Rudy. Not not to disparage the other guys. I mean, they all play hard and play within the system or whatever. But it's just he's he's the thing. He's the glue that holds that whole thing together. Well, Utah's whole defense is based on three ideas: we don't give up threes, we don't give up shots at the rim, and we don't foul. And Gobert is the first two. They don't give up threes because everyone stays home on shooters because Rudy's back there to protect everyone. And they yeah. don't give up things at the rim because all but the very best drivers get into the paint and have oh. I got to get out of here. Rudy's yeah. here. And they move. Um, and the, the other reason they don't give up threes, though, is because Gobert is also capable of switching, which a lot of rim protectors of his level are not. Yeah, he's a little friskier in the last couple of years uh, along the perimeter. Anyway, that's enough Rudy Gobert talk. He's not he's not on my uh, he's not in my final, final, final cut um, here, although he's having a great I, season. I, I, I can argue for putting him as high as third. <sighs> I'm a little I'm, I'm a little discombobulated. OK. You caught me by surprise there. Third? I mean, they're the best team. I, I, I guess if, we're, if everyone is going to make the argument that LeBron should win, despite, and we will get into this, despite mm-hmm. the advanced stats, despite every stat, essentially saying uh, someone else is the MVP. Yeah. If, if people are going to make the argument that LeBron should win in part because the Lakers are the best team, and we all know the Lakers are the best team, they just won the championship, we all know, blah, blah, blah. Well, the actual best team in the regular season so far has been the Utah Jazz, so I guess that argument should apply to Rudy Gobert. Third, third seems aggressive, Mr. Hollinger. All right. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll, see, how this play, we'll see how this plays out. He'd have, to, he'd have to keep this up the rest of the year. And the Jazz would have to keep this up the rest of the year. I don't hate it, though. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, so to me, I'm interested. I, I don't know if you actually did a five-man ballot, but to me, there's a clear right now, there's a clear top four, I think. Although it's actually not as not as clear, but for me, I think I know what my top four would be. Okay. In, in some order. Um, mm-hmm. Now it's fitting we are having this discussion. So he, last night we had three important things happen. Durant missed his tenth game of the season, and mm-hmm. so if Durant played every game from here on out, I think the game's missed thing goes away. But right now, freezing the season, he's missed a third of the season. That's enough to knock him out. And he will miss more. Yeah, he's, he's out again, I think, tonight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Embiid missed another game, his mm-hmm. sixth of the season, and they lost. They are 1-5 without Embiid, and I believe 17-5 and five with Embiid. So now we're nearing that line of, like, where does <laughs> – how, when does missing games help your case and when does it hurt your case? He's like right on that line. Um, yeah. 
And Curry went bananas again last night and is now at 49.9% from the floor. So basically 50, 40, 90 again, um, just an absolute ridiculous season. Um, but I, I still think that I have a top four. Okay. And, and then I have a little drop off and then I think I have a, I know who I would put fifth. My top four in no particular order right now are Nikola Jokic, mm-hmm. LeBron James, mm-hmm. Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. and Kawhi Leonard. I think that's a tier. Those have been the four best players in the league so far. This, it, 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 in totality. Like I think Durant yeah. has been in that it has been at that level, but the missed games are what they are. Do you have any source of disagreement there? I suspect I suspect you do. And what is it? What about Giannis? Yeah, it's interesting. Giannis, 28, 11 and a half rebounds, five and a half assists, 56% shooting, 64% on twos. No buzz. I I had I mean, I think there's Giannis fatigue, certainly. The Bucs have not been as good this year. Uh, their, their point differential has been better than their record. They've, they've lost some close games and won some games by a, by a zillion points. Um, I think subjectively, when I've watched Milwaukee this year, I feel like I felt him a little bit less. And well, maybe his, it's his just usage is down. They're, they're trying to do some things differently, which I think is smart that they should be using the regular season as a lab a little bit to try some things rather than just run one system the whole regular season, rack up 60-something wins, and then get surprised in the playoffs when it doesn't work against a certain opponent. So I think that strategy makes sense, but I think it definitely hurts Giannis's case for MVP this year. I'm, I'm with you. I did not have him in my top four, um, but I, I felt like we at least needed to – to mention him, right? Well, he's, he's, th- he's third among this group in player efficiency rating, which is some junk stat that some That's kook, some um, ass dad. Who came up with that thing? So the top two are the two centers, and Giannis is third. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, so I think a couple of things happen. Number one, the Bucks are their record is, I think, middling for what we would consider our expectations. His usage yeah. is down, which is fine. He has Drew Holiday or had Drew Holiday until health and safety protocols to, to carry more of a load. That's, his usage is still very high. He's their only, I mean, beyond that, he's their only source of free throws. When he's not on the floor, they just don't get to the line at all. And obviously, he doesn't shoot free throws very well. Um, and I think both subjectively and by the numbers, when I look at the tracking data, his defense hasn't been as good this year. Last year, he was my pick for defensive player of the year. Opponents shot like 40% at the rim when he was around. That's up to 57% this year. I've just seen more like blips of confusion or why is he not on that shooter? Why is he overhelping? A switch gone wrong? And again, part yeah. of that is that they're experimenting with stuff that is unfamiliar for them and that and that's baked into it. But I think now I have my whole spreadsheet of all the advanced numbers that, that again, I just use as sort of like it's, it's sometimes they're seeing something that's interesting. Last year... All the advanced numbers, and I've got like ten columns on this thing. They all screamed out, "This guy's by far the best player in the NBA." Yes, it's not, it's not close. A doubt. It's Without not close. A doubt. This year, player efficiency rating, he's third. That's actually about as the best he ranks in any of these advanced stats. The advanced stats are screaming out, "Something's not the same this year." Yeah, he's in the middle of the pack and well behind these other guys. So I don't really. His number again. His numbers are crazy good. This is a crowded field. If you wanted to put him in the top three or whatever, I wouldn't really have. A, a strong case, particularly since I think he's missed only one game and Kawhi has now missed six. Um, you know, and and then there is the fatigue factor, which is hard to quantify. And I feel it too of like, wake me up in the playoffs kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if that's almost what's going on with him. Like the, sometimes I feel like there's a little bit of LeBron and Cleveland regular season chill mode going on with him. Like somewhere in the back of his mind, he knows these regular season games don't matter anymore. For the Milwaukee Bucks and for his, you know, for his goals and his legacy or whatever. And he's just, you know, I think the bar to three-peat as MVP for voters is going Surely. to be incredibly yeah. high. And yeah. and when you get rolled in the second round by the Miami Heat, it gets even higher. Yeah. Um, by the way, I, I meant to say this before. You, you mentioned the Blazers. Their point differential is, is plus 0.2 per 100 yeah. possessions. Very interestingly, the Blazers and the Spurs are punching well above their weight record-wise. The Spurs also have basically a dead-even point differential. Just something to monitor because I, I think both teams have been kind of feel-good stories for the season, and we'll see, we'll see if it keeps up. 
let's just talk about the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. Ramona Shelburne tweeted this quote from PJ Carlissimo last night. Basically, PJ said, I'm paraphrasing, if LeBron stays healthy, and I guess the Lakers stay this good, it would be a disgrace. The word was disgrace, I believe, for anybody else to win MVP. And I think LeBron won the Tim Bontemps Memorial straw poll pretty handily, Mm -hmm. which indicates to me that there is going to be enormous sentimental support for LeBron James to win. And I think that support is obviously based around two ideas. Number one, they won the championship last year, and the guy who beat him for MVP, his team flamed out again in similarly depressing fashion, whereas LeBron rose to the moment and was clearly the best player in the bubble. It wasn't close. Number two, this sort of idea that like every generationally amazing player, from Michael Jordan to Shaq to LeBron, the idea that he's been robbed of multiple MVPs that are truly his, the the Carl Malone factor, the Steve Nash factor, whether you believe that or not, that he's been robbed of MVPs. And I think the argument for LeBron is strong. 26, 8 and 8 on 50% shooting, 39% from deep. He's played every game. The Lakers are the defending champions. They're 21 and 7. They are plus 11 with LeBron on the floor, minus 3 with LeBron off the floor. Once again, cannot survive when LeBron sits, even when AD is on the floor. They're plus 6 when LeBron plays without Davis, which is always a good litmus test of of an individual's impact. His defense has been as good to me as it was last season. And look, Embiid and Jokic, let's let's not let's not put too fine a point on it. Embiid and Jokic lap him statistically. Not mm-hmm. lap. Maybe lap. It like it's not close. If you're going just by the numbers, those two guys have been the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. And it and it is not close. Mm-hmm. Now that does not mean to me that there's an argument for LeBron. If you froze the season today, I might vote for LeBron. I don't think I would, but I might. I'll tell you who I will vote for towards the end. The argument for LeBron is 21-7, and seven, whereas Jokic's team is, you know, screwing around in the middle of the Western Conference playoff race, 15-11. and 15-11 and 7th. Now, 7th sounds bad. They're two games out of 4th, three games out of 3rd, but 7th. So team record matters. It just does. And so if you want to throw out, Jokic for team record or put him below LeBron, that's fine. Embiid, I mentioned the six games missed. If we project that, if he keeps missing games at that exact rate, he's going to miss a pretty sizable chunk of games, and LeBron has played every game. So there is your door open for LeBron to win on the merits, on the merits, separate from the fact that I think the number one reason he would win is we all know he's the best player. And so mm-hmm. there is a foolish feeling that many voters, and I feel it sometimes too in my gut, not as not as much as others because I really try to compartmentalize just this season. Let's look at just this regular season yeah. in a vacuum. That's it. Knowing what comes next in the playoffs may make my vote look silly or or maybe better, but let me just shut my put my horse blinders on and look at this season only. Separate from the the merits of that, we all just know he's the best player. We all know he's going to be the best player. And so I don't think it's it's off to vote LeBron MVP. I think he has a great case. And if Embiid keeps missing games and the Nuggets don't get it together, he's going to win MVP and he will be a deserving winner. I just don't agree with the line of thinking that you're just a moron if you don't vote for LeBron James. That it's LeBron and everyone else. There's no other plausible candidate. It's a disgrace. It's a, it's a scandal if he doesn't mm-hmm. win. It's not a scandal if the guy who leads the league in player efficiency rating and every advanced stat that there is, the guy who the Sixers die when he doesn't play and might be the most impactful defensive player in the NBA, it's not a disgrace if he wins. It's not a disgrace if Nikola Jokic, who is averaging 27, 12, and 9 on 56% shooting, 61% on twos, and has played every game. And the Nuggets are plus eight with him on the floor and minus three when he sits and can't score a freaking basket. And Jamal Murray, by the way, is back to regular season, Jamal Murray. It's not a disgrace if Nikola Jokic, who leads the league in basically every advanced stat that exists, mm-hmm. it's not a disgrace if he wins the MVP. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. I, I can tell you later who I think I will vote for. It's not a disgrace. Now, I don't know if LeBron's the MVP right now. I know he's in the upper echelon of, of, of candidates, and I do know he's the best player. He's the best player. He's the player I trust at the end of a playoff game, and it's not close. 
So here's where I'm with you. It's an award for the best player in the regular season, right? We give out another award for the finals MVP. You can argue we should give out an award for playoffs MVP, right? But the, this, this award we're talking about is for the most impactful player over the course of the regular season. And so the, the fact that LeBron James, we suspect, can dominate in the playoffs again because we've seen him do it before and his team won the championship last year but this isn't this isn't a retrospective award on last year's playoffs right it's an award for these particular 72 games and that's it like i'm much more amenable to the idea of like well this guy's played well but we know this guy's actually a better player when you're talking about choosing spots for the all-star game but the mvp award is the award for that regular season i mean that's just that's just what it is um, and I mean, LeBron's won it four times. It's not like he's getting shafted by everybody here. So I, I have a hard time with that. And it, the Lakers have been, they've been good, but they haven't been like, I don't think they've been dominant. I think they played like kind of a soft schedule and kind of snoozed through some games here, especially recently that they ended up winning, um, against some not very good teams, but I think one thing, I think, can we say this? These next few weeks without Davis will make or break LeBron's MVP candidacy. That's Would you agree that, with me on that? That could be true. Um, I, I, you know, maybe it's true. I suspect the Lakers will just be fine. Like, I think they'll survive it fine. They're good. LeBron is amazing. But, you know, maybe, maybe I haven't looked at their schedule. Maybe that is. Maybe that is the case. Now, it's, it's interesting. It's still, you, it's still a not great schedule. We don't know who they play after the break yet. But oh, yeah, we're sneaking upcoming, up on that. They, they have a bunch of home games against not very good teams, so they could uh, pr pretty easily survive that, I think. This is a historically important one for LeBron, who clearly has wanted, has not been shy about having wanted two of the last three MVPs. You know, he wanted last season, I think he wanted, what, 2018, the last yeah. season in Cleveland when he played every game, he really went and, for it. And, and Mark's Defensive Player of the Year trophy, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he went after your guy. Yeah, um, yeah. Now his teammate, by the way, they have such beautiful, I mean, Mark never shoots anymore. His usage rate is like <laughs> is like basically mine, but they have great, wonderful chemistry. Like tw two or three yeah. times every game, Mark gets LeBron on a backdoor cut, and it's like these two. the meeting of these two beautiful basketball minds. I just I yeah. love it. Um, I get giddy. Whenever he hits him on a backdoor cut, I get very giddy. Um, uh, historically, this is an important one, though. Like LeBron has won four MVPs. Um, the only people above him are Bill Russell and Michael Jordan with five and Kareem with six. Wilt is tied with him at four. No one else has four. You get five. And I wrote, I wrote this after the finals. I, I think statistically, the LeBron, I think LeBron, Michael statistically LeBron is going to be clearly the greatest player of all time, right? And so it, it's it's just the numbers are not going to be close, except for 6-0 and in the finals versus whatever LeBron ends up being in the finals. And a fifth MVP to match Michael, I just think is another little, you know, check on the chalkboard for if you have to sit down like we do, if you have to and pick somebody to be the greatest player ever, I think that's just another tiny little check mark. The irony is a lot of the people... I bet there's a Venn diagram overlap of people who just think LeBron should win it because he should win it for almost sentimental reasons and people who think no matter what LeBron does, he can never pass Michael Jordan as the greatest player of all time. Michael's the greatest just because, because, because I don't want to hear it. There's Michael and there's everybody. I bet there's a little overlap in that group. <laughs> and I'm not even I'm not snickering at it because I grew up like you in the Michael Jordan era and it is yeah. hard for me cognitively having watched him and felt as if the Bulls will never, ever lose. And I began to cheer against the Bulls every playoffs just because I wanted someone else to win. And even as I was cheering for the Utah Jazz and the Seattle Sonics and whatever sucker team ran into Jordan, you knew deep down <laughs> in your gut, doesn't matter if he's puking the night before, doesn't matter if Scotty's got a migraine or a back injury, the Bulls are winning. He's invincible. He's unbeatable. So I get cognitively that it's hard to consider anybody Michael Jordan's peer. But um, five MVPs would, would be a big deal. I think he's going to win for the reasons that I outlined before on, on the merits. And I think Embiid will continue to miss a game here or there. And unless Denver gets its record together, I think it's completely legitimate to say, hey, wait a second, are we not supposed to reward 
a team that finishes sixth or whatever. So I, I think LeBron will win it. I just don't think it's like this clear-cut, why are you even thinking about it argument. Uh, I completely agree with that. The Is he the most impactful small forward in Staples Center? I, um, You know, Kawhi? Kawhi's been really good. Kawhi's missed a few games, so LeBron has that over him. Kawhi's been really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kawhi's at 27, 6, and 5 on 51% shooting, 39% from deep. I, I and, and is a better defensive player than LeBron, probably Defen- on balance. Defensively, like, he's kind of back to you're feeling him a little more, I feel like, than, than we did last year. And I look, I am a I voted Kawhi MVP. I'm on the very high end of Kawhi appreciators. Uh, no, I do not think Kawhi is the most impactful player in Staples Center. I still think that, or impactful small forward in Staples Center. I still think that honor goes to LeBron James. Um, you know, and 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 here are some other numbers. You ready for just crunch time numbers? Just because when you're diving into small sample sizes, crunch time numbers. Last five minutes of close games this year, LeBron twenty four of forty nine from the floor. The Lakers are ten and three in those games. He's plus fifty two. That's one one of the highest numbers in the league. Jokic. 22 of 44. He's one of the greatest clutch players of his era already and is emerging as one of the greatest clutch big men of all time. One of the only big men you can just give the ball to late in the game. And this is, I think, the hurdle for Embiid's MVP case. Is is he the hub? Can he be the hub? And, and I don't know. I, I think I know the answer to this question, but I think voters will look at it and say, do you trust him with the ball? Late in the game. So far this season, 13 of 27 in these crunch time minutes. And that sounds like many fewer attempts than LeBron and Jokic. That's because he's played about two-thirds as many minutes. So if you project per minute, he's just a little bit below them. The Sixers are blowing away people in close games. Embiid is plus 43 in 41 crunch time minutes. And he's shown he can hit face-up jumpers in the clutch. You can run an offense through him in the post in the clutch. The one thing that I keep coming back to and this is an, an Embiid thing that I monitor all the time and is relevant for this race is he has a negative assist-to-turnover ratio again. And it just speaks to as great as he is and as, as much as the fact that in the regular season a Joel Embiid post-up is like basically the best play in the NBA or one of one, the vehicle to elite offense, he's not quite the creative force that these other guys are. And, yep. I, and I think it's fine. I think it's fine and fair when you're splitting hairs to look at that number and say, again, I trust LeBron late in games more than anyone else in the league, so he gets my vote. Kawhi, by the way, just 6 of 20 in the clutch. The Clippers have barely played any clutch minutes. They just don't They don't really play a lot of close, close games. Would you have? So would you have those guys as your top four right now, the same four guys we're talking about in some order? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I think the one guy who's maybe challenging to be in that group, and it's hard because team success hasn't been as strong a thing for him, is Curry. I mean, he's had he's had moments this year where you just like giggle, right? <laughs> You're just like, okay, this guy's still like completely freak from outer space good. Um in terms of the the places he shoots from, the shots he makes inside the paint the technical ball handling ability. I mean, he's, some of the stuff he does is still just so ridiculous. And it's it's carrying a team that really doesn't have a lot of offense outside of him. I mean, they, they have Curry on their team and they're 20th in offense, right? Like the, the, the guys around him are just puking up bricks. Uh, but And Curry's getting all the defensive attention and he's still putting up these monstrous numbers. Yeah, he would be the fifth the fifth player on my ballot if the season ended today. He would edge out Dame and Luca and Giannis and Durant for that fifth spot. Um, Thirty points, six assists, five rebounds. The Warriors score one hundred and thirteen points per hundred possessions with Curry on the floor and a hundred, which is sub last when he yeah. sits. Um, yeah. Now their defense, the the gap is about as big in Curry's disfavor. So his net rating is not as strong as these other candidates. Which again, when you're splitting hairs, you got to split hairs somewhere. But they mm-hmm. are. If you look at the shots they get, they are one team when Curry plays. They shoot way more threes, way more shots at the rim, and that's partly him getting to the rim. And when he sits, 
they're like an old-fashioned 90s team in terms yeah. of their shot. They're just a completely different team. He has been absolutely lights out. And, yes, I would take as he approaches 50-40-90 territory. He's played – I think he's he's maybe, maybe played – I think he's played every game. Um, I think I would put him fifth. And he's got an argument to pass Kawhi, I think. I, I don't think I can put him above the top three. So I'm spoiler. The top, the top three on my ballot in some order would be Jokic, Embiid, and LeBron. But I think Steph is – look, if he keeps playing at this level – He's going to be encroaching on that group, provided the Warriors keep winning, because he is, along with, you know, they have other guys. Their bench has been hit or miss all the year. They've they've had stretches where their bench is up. Draymond is now coming on. I think he leads the league in assists over the last three weeks or something. Um, they got an interesting brew over there. We'll see what they look like when they get Wiseman and Looney back. But they 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 you do you do generally need to you know. Finish in the top half of your conference to win the MVP. Whether <laughs> that's, I, I don't, that's I don't necessarily be a agree. A little bit that, of a struggle for them. I yeah, think. I don't necessarily agree that that should be some sort of universal hard and fast rule. But when yeah. the candidates at the top are this good, when the top teams have candidates that are this strong, and and Philly is is number one in the East, and the Lakers are number two in the West, I I do yeah. think there's some legitimacy to it. Yeah, so Curry's got the KG in Minnesota thing working against him a little bit. This year, the the other the other argument against Curry is how can you say Curry is the most valuable player when the most valuable warrior this season has been D'Angelo Russell? Wow, that is not very nice. I don't even know what he hasn't played in quite a while, actually. Yeah, uh, look, no, he's missed the last few. Um, that that pick from Minnesota is it's very valuable, looking juicy. Um, yeah, I didn't. I, I remember saying this at the trade deadline with Bobby Marks. I didn't really get. I, I said that I at that time that I thought the Warriors would win that trade, and the mm-hmm. reaction on that day was the opposite. It was there was such a jubilation that the that the Wolves had gotten off Wiggins, yeah, and and there was this idea that Russell had propped up this meh Brooklyn team and was really good, and I just never really bought it. And I thought that pick would swing the deal to the Warriors. I did not think it would be like this. Were yeah. I mean, D'Angelo's yeah. surface numbers are not awful, but you just don't. And he may, he is a, a big time shot maker sometimes late in games. Like he can get his own shot. He's a good step back three. You just never like watch them and feel like like he, he he's been a distant third best player on their team this year behind Towns and Beasley. Like Beasley has been yeah. better than D'Angelo Russell, and I don't think it's even been close. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he. <laughs> It's the thing with Russell there too. Uh, I guess we're wandering a little off topic, but he like he just underscores everything that's weak about that team already. Like just the underlying softness and kind of uh, <laughs> lack of fire across that whole roster and the weak defense and like just everything that was already bad there. Like he makes worse. Well, that's why it would help. I mean, part of the sad. And let's talk about the Wolves. Why not? Part of the okay. sad. Um, trajectory of their season has been the guys that a lot of the guys that can add that both spirit and toughness to in particular Ricky Rubio and Josh Okogie have been so bad on offense that I mean it's literally hard to play them late in games except the Wolves don't have any other choices been, with Rubio. I mean, it's, it's been hard to play a Kogi early in games, too. <laughs> but, and sometimes he's, they haven't. He's really struggling. Yeah. There, there have been a couple of games where they pulled him from the starting yeah. five or benched him at halftime. And, and yeah. you know. And throw Jared Culver in there, too. He just hasn't played in, in ages. Um, yeah. But Malik Beasley, you watch Malik Beasley on the bench during games. I think, I don't. Like I think technically he should be getting whistled for technical fouls on the bench almost all the time because he's like past the coach's box cheering for people. He's doing dances. He really brings and he's fearless. He brings a little spunk to them. Yeah, but it's been a depressing season for for them. We just haven't really seen their team, I guess. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay? full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. 
with a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Let's just put it out there. If you had to vote, if you had to vote right now, who's your MVP? Nikola Jokic. I, I just think you know D- Denver's played a lot of games with makeshift lineups. I mean, they like you compare it like to the Lakers, especially who have basically been healthy the whole year except for this recent Davis thing, and we'll see how that affects them. I mean, the 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 Nuggets are have played a lot of games where they're ju- where they're just pulling guys here, there. Everybody except Jokic basically has missed time, right? And Murray's I, been banged. Murray's got like four Murray different injuries. When, he's played Murray, for. even when he's played, has been hurt. Has not been Murray. Uh, you know, Porter missed a bunch of games. Uh, Gary Harris missed missed a bunch of games. Uh, they've like half their bench guys have been injured the whole time too. So they've been, they've, they're playing a lot with like these makeshift second units and, and Jokic basically. Um, and statistically, obviously Jokic has been awesome. Like just every single game, uh, you know, to basically, basically be a, a point center, like as good a passer as LeBron is, I think Jokic is, is the best passer in the league right now. Like he, he does stuff. Nobody else does. And, the, the other thing that's really shifted with him is that he's gone from being just sort of okay from the three-point line to a guy you have to guard out there. And that changes a lot in terms of who can guard him, how you play him, what other things that opens up. And he's also become an awesome offensive rebounder very quietly. Gets a bunch of points on tip-ins. 61% on twos. Like, it's ridiculous. that's crazy. And he's not taking a lot of – I mean, he makes some of these post-ups look like easy shots because he's so skilled and so big and has such a soft touch. He makes a lot of tough shots in the post. Um, I mean, you, with very few exceptions, defenses either have to double-team him or he's going to just put somebody in the basket and get a layup. Like, you just have to send help and hope that – you send it in a way that it at least mildly confusing for him in terms of what the reads are, but usually he's four steps ahead of whatever you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And you just you're you're just living with with threes from these secondary players at, the, at this point. Like you're basically saying, okay, Paul Millsap beat us from the three point line. You know, PJ Dozier fire away. Yeah, Denver has had a very puzzling season, and I I don't know if you just chalk it up to. A little bit of bubble fatigue. All these guys, Barton, Harris, you know, you, on and on being in and out. Porter for COVID protocols, being in and out of the lineup. Maybe you just chalk it up to that. I mean, I think the Jeremy Grant departure, which looks terrible now that Jeremy Grant's playing so well in Detroit, um, in terms of his impact on their current team, I think it was a little overblown, but they do miss him some. I, I just don't know what to make of their team. Look, the argu- the only argument against Jokic is obviously defense, right? Because all the advanced stats, just like they were screaming out for Giannis the last two years, is like, this guy's the best. Red alert. Best player in the league. Best yeah. player in the league. The advanced stats this year are red alert. Nikola Jokic is the best player in the NBA. Do not overthink it. He's the best player, period. Uh, and and a lot of those numbers paint him, as they always have throughout all his career, as a an average defender. Not a bad one. That, you know, there's no question that by the eye test, on his bad moments, he looks really bad. Yeah. But the numbers have never said in almost and even not even non-advanced numbers have almost never said that he's a bad defensive player. The only the the only reason there are two there are two arguments against him: their record, which we just discussed, and comparatively to these other two guys, he's just not on their level defensively. But he has been the best offensive player in the NBA this year, and I think there's a completely like I've talked to several GMs in the last three weeks who have said essentially don't overthink it. Nikola Jokic is the MVP. Mm-hmm. I'm overthinking it, but I, I, this is not my point in saying that I've talked to front office people who have said that is this is not some weird heterodox stats nerds view. This is people inside the game saying this to me. Yeah. And I think Jokic is definitely in better shape th- uh, this year and it's helped them be, be more consistent at the defensive end. 
you see, uh, he like, I, I do think like even a year ago, there were times where he would take plays off at the defensive end or he'd just get pissed off about a call and take a horrible Euro foul with his team in the bonus and, and things like that. And you just haven't seen that this year. I think he's been more consistent at that end. And then he has long arms. He's pretty light on his feet, even though he doesn't look it. Like he, he's got the highest steal rate on their team, actually. He's got great is, hands. He's got great hands. His hands uh, translate to defense. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I think he's been an above-average defender. Now, is he in the same category as Kawhi, LeBron, Gobert, Giannis? Uh, no, he is not. Embiid, he is, he is not in their category on defense. He is not going to be under consideration for all defense votes. I think that is clear. Uh, so he has to be offensively dominant in order to be the MVP. But I think he's got a case that he's been offensively dominant. You might be swaying me. I mean, look, I love Jokic. There's I, no one I has to sway to me on Jokic. You to vote for Jokic? What is happening here? The 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 water polo guy. I thought like I Man. I thought this I thought this would be like the automatic Zach Zach Lowe vote. He does. I don't need to wax poetic about Jokic anymore. If I were going through some sort of crisis in my life, mm-hmm. I would just watch Nikola Jokic highlights to sort of. Bui, bui, bui. I don't know how bui. People say that word in a weird way. Whatever my spirits. Um, <laughs> I think right now, if I had to vote, and really, there's almost no line between these top three guys, right? So let, let me make this clear for listeners. This is not my MVP vote. My MVP vote, if I even have a ballot, will come whenever this godforsaken season ends. I don't even know when it is. No, you, you are beholden to this 40 games from now. This is, this is etched in stone. You're not allowed to do that. I can only do that to the guests. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> I think right now I would vote for Joel Embiid, who wow. is averaging okay. 30 and 11. The Sixers are plus 11 with him on the floor, minus five with him on the bench. And is right there is the most impactful defensive player in the entire NBA. And offensively has made a leap in terms of his efficiency, his ability to create shots for himself. His long two has been just on automatic all year. Um, I don't feel great about it. Like I, I, I'm glad I don't have to vote now. Um, a couple of, a couple of alarm bells aside from the assist to turnover thing that I raised earlier. Uh, the Sixers are getting outscored when Embiid plays without Simmons by about four points per possession. You know, Simmons gets hammered for that. Simmons, who just put up 42 last night in Utah, always gets hammered for, well, the Sixers lose the minutes when he plays without Embiid. And they're losing them again this year by a lot. But I think it's fair to note that they are also losing the opposite minutes this year. And they're, not that there are very many of those, but there are some. Um, and obviously there's the missed games. Uh, we'll see where that where that finishes up. But I just think... His two-way play has been outrageously good. And again, they're one in five when he doesn't play. And then we're somewhat at the line where that, you know, if that missed games thing becomes too much of a concern, then it's too much of a concern. Uh, He's shooting 54%, 40% on threes, 57% on twos. Yeah. And he is... A human free throw. He is an absurd number of free throws. Exactly. I wrote. I wrote a couple weeks ago. He is on pace to break Wilt Chamberlain's all-time record for most free throw attempts per thirty-six minutes. When you're breaking a Wilt Chamberlain nineteen sixty-two record, That's you're something. doing some serious work. And so, really, the only question is whether his defense outweighs the the passing gap between him and Jokic, and just sort of how you factor in LeBron, who statistically is a tier below these guys, but is LeBron. Like, his player efficiency rating is six points, or six and a half, seven below Embiid, seven, and six and a half below Jokic, and that's representative of all the advanced stats. So I think right now I'd probably vote Embiid. I don't feel good about it. I suspect that as he continues to miss a game or two here or there, and if Denver doesn't get together, I suspect I could lean toward LeBron. But right now, I think, gun to my head, I'm voting for Joel Embiid. Is that stupid? I think when available, he has been the best player. The the difference between Jokic and Embiid for me is is probably comes down to those 221 minutes uh, difference. You know, the best ability is availability, like they say. So you know what? That's a I'm lot doing of minutes. Value across the entirety of the season. 
I would lean Jokic because of that, even though I think Embiid's performance when on the court has probably been a little bit better. But those are the top two for me. Jokic and Embiid. Yeah. Um, over LeBron. Is LeBron yeah. third? For me, LeBron and Gobert each have our arguments for three. I love the Gobert. The Gobert standing. I love it. He's really good, man. Gobert's been really good. And the Jazz have been the Jazz have been really good. They've yeah, been the best team in the league, like by far. Utah. I mean, they're just crushing people. They're crushing teams. They're crushing teams. And they're number two in defense, which is not getting as much attention as their as their beautiful looking offense does. Yeah, look, this is a tough choice. It's a tough choice. You're, the two hundred twenty minutes is a lot, but I just think I can't go back now. So my tentative meaningless vote is Embiid over Jokic and LeBron. But that top three, that top three is very, very close. Mm -hmm. They're all about equal to me. Then I think there's a little bit of a fall off to Kawhi and then a little bit of a fall off to Steph. And then, you know, these other guys, if Dallas gets that record going, Luka, who's having an unbelievable season, 29-9-9, but 13-15, and you know, it's just going to take some wins. Uh, Dame, we'll see. You know, and Giannis is, you can't discount Giannis. So I think this is going to be, these MVP races are both fun and tiring because it is going to be rancorous. And if you don't, if, if, if the situation in whenever we vote is like it is today and you don't vote for LeBron, there's going to be some proverbial tarring and feathering of the non-LeBron voters. And, and there's well, a- Plus the, Lake, the Lakers are involved, which automatically is like RIP my mentions, right? Yeah, I just don't check your mentions. That's tip number one. But like, I, I think it will even spill over into into there will be vitriol in the media back and forth about it. And and uh, it's it's but LeBron has been unbelievable, and the Lakers are twenty one and seven, and he is the glue holding everything together there. And really, it's it's actually kind of astonishing. I've been writing this for three or four years in anticipation of him. I think last year passing somebody for third all time in minutes played postseason and regular season. Because I combine when you combine those, he's like seventh in regular season minutes, but that understates how much he's played. Um, it's just astonishing what he's doing. It, it's absolutely astonishing at, at his, his age at with his that age. load. And yeah, and can he keep up this load through the entirety of the regular season? Is going to be a really interesting question, I think, uh, especially without Davis now, where where he's he's going to have to take on so much more of the offense, like throughout the course of the game, just have to take on so much more of the, of the offensive responsibility. So it's going to be fun to watch. Well, to me, the biggest thing though, is after the first scattershot year in Los Angeles, which was, you know, he got injured and then the AD trade rumors were happening and all that. The degree to which he bought in on defense starting last season in camp, and not just in a don't worry, I'll turn it on when it matters way, but in a yeah. way of because my coach is asking me to do it because Anthony Davis is here and I have a chance. We have a chance to be a great defensive team and he's holding me accountable in practice. But more than anything else, because I'm LeBron James and I'm the best player, I'm buying in every single game on defense. He's still a monstrously plus defender. Like, yes, he spends more time now on weaker players than maybe he did in his prime, but all aging offensive stars do that. The same thing is happening to Chris Paul and has been happening for years to Chris Paul. He's still massively impactful. People are scared of LeBron when he's closing out on them. They're scared of LeBron when he's at the rim. He's always in the right place. He's completely dialed in. And for him to buy in at that level and be a top 10, let's say, perimeter defender in the NBA who can defend every position, it's really, really astonishing. Um, And if he wins MVP, he will deserve it. And I don't, you know, I... Certainly, it's just gonna it's gonna be a rancorous 2017 level race. Who would you have voted for in 2017? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Was that Westbrook won? But I think was that was that the year that Harden was really good? Yeah, Harden um, was like one it's, rebound it's amazing, short of averaging when a you triple work, double. When you work in the front office, what immediately happens is you don't care at all about the award voting, except for the ones your own players are involved in. Otherwise, like you could not care one 
even small bit. Which is funny um, because when I when I pull front office people and coaches on all stars, like, hey, if you had to pick between three of these six guys, I like to just get I get like to yeah. get as much feedback. They're like a lot of them are like, why do you care about this? Like, who yeah, cares? exactly. Exactly. Like I've I've not spent one second thinking about this. Yeah. Yeah. And that was totally, totally true. That was the year that Harden was like Harden averaged like 29, 11 and nine or something. And so there was this there was much rigmarole about. You know, is one rebound really the reason you would vote for Russ over Harden? And I yeah. ended up voting for neither. And it was it was a rank. It was a fun. It was fun. It was fun to have these because again, so many times you have unanimous winners or you know obvious winners. And um, I would have I would have no problem if 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 people, including me, frankly, just reward for LeBron for being the obvious best player in the NBA if if it's even close statistically. And right now, you could argue it's not close, but I guess it is kind of. Um, it's going to be fun though. Anything yeah. else we didn't and, hit? You, you, you know what happens, though, a lot of times is these races thin themselves out. Like things happen to remove people from the pool or elevate other people. And so I, I'm sure when we get down to it toward the end, we'll be down to two or three names. Yeah, we and we barely talked about Durant, who... One of the great stories of this season is that Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. And there's there's not, oh, what if he's 90% of Kevin Durant? He's Kevin freaking Durant. He mm-hmm. is the best player on Brooklyn. And, you know, we've we've seen, I think those three guys have played like 175 minutes together. Uh, so we're just scratching the surface. But certainly offensively, it looks like they are going to be, I mean, I said when they traded for Harden, they have a chance to be the greatest offensive team of all time, basically. And it, it certainly looks like that's going to be the case. Um, I just don't know what you're supposed to do against them. You know, just they've been fun to watch. But I, I still think Harden is settling into this point guard role and thriving in it. And I think he's been yeah. more aggressive lately, chasing his own points, which they need him to do. But I, th- I just think Durant is their best player. Yeah. And he, I mean, his size and ability to quasi rim protect, like at least gives them something at the defensive end where where they've been I mean they've been mostly been pretty bad but they've been playing a lot better this last week so we'll see if that holds up but I, I think that part of the equation is uh, favors him as well by the way wouldn't it be great if Andre Robertson could resurrect his career in Brooklyn I forgot about him and the Nets signed him today after waving mm-hmm. Norvell Pell yeah he's a wonderful guy teammates love him he has been through absolute hell with his body and now he's got. To, I mean, I, I assume they signed him because they're going to play him and give him a chance because they need defense. What an amazing story that would be if he could reemerge with Durant yeah. in uh, Brooklyn. Yeah, you would think they'll throw him out there over this next week before the guarantee date and see what they have before they decide whether to guarantee his deal. Um, it's going to be it's going to be uh, a very interesting rest of the season. I just hope we get through it. Obviously, um, with everybody healthy ish and happy and all that the season is going to stop pretty soon but we'll see maybe we'll reconvene for another mvp talk and when does the season end uh middle of may you're the schedule guy you have you have like you have some sort of i don't even know what you you know exactly like when i when it's when games are postponed i know that you have some automated thing that's like okay now they have to squeeze this many games into this many days and i know you got something going on (laughs) <laughs> like four monitors up of all the different scheduling scenarios. Yeah. That <laughs> the, the front office life forced me into this a little more, but yeah, you, 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 you kind of really have to have a plan of where you're going to be and what you're going to watch. And I kind of carried that back to the media side. So now, yeah. So now like Zach's like, John, what are you doing on, you know, November 18th of 2024. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm probably going to a tournament in New York that week, but I, you know. I hope we're going somewhere in 2024 because <laughs> I'm sick of looking at these walls. All right, John Hollinger, you can read. What, 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 what do we have coming up this week at The Athletic? Yeah, so I wrote about the Celtics' recent woes. Uh, and they're, yes, yes. So they've things have not been going great there and I, I just think their stars need a lot more help than they have. Yeah, I don't I don't have any hot takes on on the Celtics. It's like Kemba hasn't Kemba's been mostly bad coming back from yeah. injury and without Hayward they're just playing a lot of guys they're, who are marginal players. Their second line guys just are not very good. Yeah. Um got got something coming uh, later this week on our on our rookie crop which which I think will be fun. Ooh, interesting. 
I like these rookies. Uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been a little better than we thought it might be. All right, well, John Hollinger, you can read all this stuff at The Athletic. Subscribe, click, download, all that stuff. It's great to see you. I hope I see you at a game, uh, you hope, know, hope, sometime. Hopefully, hopefully someday soon. Exactly. Stay safe, my friend. You too. Our Difference Maker of the Week is brought to you by our friends at CarMax. Don't just buy a car. Love your car with the new CarMax Love Your Car Guarantee. And this week's Difference Maker is the one and only Stephen Curry. All the way back to MVP form and in the MVP conversation. He's averaging 30 points a game on almost 50, 40, 90 shooting. And more importantly, he's just being the unique force that he is. A guy that can score one-on-one off the dribble, one of the greatest pick and roll players of all time, and a guy who can just run around off the ball, cut back four or five times in different directions and get open for a three. There's one guy in the entire history of the NBA who can do all of those things at an all-time Hall of Fame level, and it's Steph Curry, the greatest shooter of all time. The Warriors outscore their opponents when he's on the floor, and they die when he's off the floor, and now he's back to making magic with Draymond Green, who looks like he's getting back to his old self, and the two of them have a chemistry that is unlike any other in the NBA. So check out the Warriors. We'll see how far Steph can get them up to standings, but it's just one of the great stories in the NBA that this guy that has brought us so much joy is back to doing it. Again, thanks to our friends at CarMax. For more Difference Makers, check out my weekly 10 Things column on the ESPN Insiders page.